This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. John chapter 4, we've been going through the book of Romans on Sunday mornings. We'll get back to that next week. Uh, and so, uh, special message today uh, out of the book of John that I hope you help to you. John chapter uh, 4, uh, verse number 47. Uh, the book of John is just a phenomenal book of the Bible. Uh, John writes his gospel uh, to basically tell us that Jesus Christ is God and why that's such a big deal for us. And so, if you've never read through the book of John, I'd highly encourage you to read through it this week. Uh, it will be a huge, huge encouragement to you. And so we find ourselves in uh, John chapter 1, John kind of tells us, in, in, I'm sorry, John chapter 4. John chapter 1, John tells us who Jesus is, why he came. Uh, John chapter 3, Jesus talks to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Beginning of John chapter 4, Jesus finds a woman at a well in Samaria and shares with her and an entire city uh, comes to faith in Jesus Christ. As we get down to the end of the passage here, we have a man who's in a, a bad situation and he needs some help. John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse number 46 uh, this morning. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman. Uh, this is a, a politician, or a royal official uh, whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come, was come out of Judea unto Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said unto him, except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, and thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and when he went his way. He was now going down, and his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them at what hour he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew it was at the same hour which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. A couple of months ago, our family was uh, over on Molokai for a few days, and um, I, I had to get back and get to work, and my, I left my wife and my, my girls over in Molokai, and I flew back separate. And so I show up at the airport, and, and basically I know nothing about my travel other than my wife told me to show up at a certain time. How many of you guys are with me? I just do what my wife tells me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yeah, but just wherever I'm supposed to be, whatever I'm supposed to do, I just show up, and she tells me what to do, and I, and I get better. Uh, I, I wake up in the morning for church. My clothes are laid out for me. I put on what I'm told to wear, uh, and, and I do what I'm supposed to do. That's kind of the boat that I'm in. Uh, so I just show up at the airport, and so uh, I, I get on my flight, uh, and I, I get on the plane, and they say, oh, this flight's going to Lanai, and I was just like, oh, I'm on the wrong flight. And I said, I'm going to Honolulu. They said, oh, we're going to stop over in Lanai, but then we're going to go over from Lanai over to, to Honolulu. Okay, fine. And so I text my wife. I'm going to sit on the, the tarmac, and I was just like, I got to go to Lanai first. And like, Molokai to, to Honolulu is like a 19, 20-minute flight to Lanai, and then wait a while and go back. It's like an hour and a half. I was like, what were you doing? And she was like, sorry. And I was just like, Arr! And so I was frustrated. So anyways, I'm, I'm on the plane getting ready to, to head over to Lanai. Uh, and if you've never flown Mokulele Airlines, it's a nine-seater single-prop plane uh, that will really get you close to Jesus. Um, <laughs> In more than one way. Uh, and so you're on there, and it's, it's, it's always an intense flight for sure. And over time, you get used to it, I guess. Um, and so anyways, we're flying over to Lanai. If you've never flown into the Lanai Airport, uh, basically the Lanai Airport sits right on the cliffs uh, that go off into the ocean. Probably, I don't know, 50, 75 feet, just straight cliffs down into the ocean. And then there's the, the runway there. And so as you come in, you're flying right over beside the sea cliffs and right into it. And I'm not a meteorologist or an aviator, but I assume like the wind comes in there, it hits those cliffs and it goes straight up because our plane was like rocking like crap up and down all over the place for about eight minutes. And I mean, it was, it was terrifying. Uh, and so at first you think like, oh, I've had turbulence before. This is not turbulence. This is like, I think the, the wing is about to crack off the side here. And so it was just really, really intense. And there were three ladies that were working construction on Molokai. They had their, their tool bags with them and, and stuff like that. This girl beside me, no lie, she reaches down into her tool bag and pulls out her hard hat and puts it on. <laughs> and I was just like, 
I don't know a lot, but I don't think it's going to help. Uh, and so, and, and so for me, I'm just like smiling the whole way, like, like what are you going to do, right? Uh, and so uh, I'm just kind of like smiling and <clears throat> looking out the window and making sure everything's still connected on the outside and stuff. And he's just like up and down. Longest eight minutes of my life, no lie. And I'm just sitting there smiling. The ladies in the back, they're screaming. She, one of them's like texting her husband, telling her she's going to die. Um, and I mean, this other girl got her hard hat on. She's like curled up in a ball crying over here. And it's just like, man, this is just intense. I'm just like smiling. And so we, we, we finally make it there, no problem at all. We get out and stuff. And, um, and I asked the girl, I said, did you think your hard hat was going to help? She's like, I didn't know what to do. And I was just like, no, I get it. And the, the lady beside her said, you were so chill the whole time. Like, you were just smiling the whole time. And I said this, what am I going to do? Like, like what, what can you do in a situation like that? Can I change it? Can I yell? Can I scream? Can I get upset? Would any of that resolve the situation? In it? No, because it was way out of my control. We find ourselves in life sometimes in situations that are way out of our control. Nothing really you can do about this. Nothing you can do to change this. The only thing that we can do is trust that somebody out there knows what they're doing and has a better plan than we do. And that's kind of where we find ourselves this morning in this guy with a sick kid. You see, you and I will come to these situations in life that we can't resolve on our own, that we can't fix on our own. And when you realize that you can't fix it, where do you go? Remember, as a kid, my whole life, man, my dad, to this day, is probably one of the, the smartest, most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. Never went to a day of college, just a really, really smart dude. I mean, when he was a kid, he would take stuff apart to figure out how it worked, then put it back together, and uh, I haven't found anything yet that my dad can't fix. Uh, just one of the smartest, most intelligent people I've ever met in my entire life. And so I would always call my dad when something went wrong. Uh, hey, you know, I got this bill in the mail. I don't know what it is. Tell me if I'm supposed to pay it or not. You know, like, hey, I got this sound that's happening on, on the left side underneath the hood. Uh, tell me what you think it is. Hey, my brakes, I think, are going bad. Like, what am I supposed to do? And my dad would always walk me through and tell me what to do. Man, I got, got married and began to ask questions about life and marriage and stuff like that. And then there came a point in my life, and some of you uh, might have come to this point in your life at some point, where you realize my dad doesn't know everything there is to know about life. He's just kind of making it up as he goes, right? And you realize, like, nobody has this whole thing figured out. None of us. And if we do, we're just making up stuff as we go. And so we'll find ourselves in situations where we need to run somewhere for help only to realize that there's no one that can help. And if, when you find yourself in a situation like that, you feel really helpless. Like, again, my plane might crash, the, 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 the wings might tear off and fall into the ocean. What am I going to do about it? Cry? Oh, yell? What should I do? There's nothing that I can do because it's out of my control and we find when we find ourselves in any situation where we are 100% out of our control, we must do something. And desperate times call for desperate measures. This guy in this passage of Scripture had come to a place where he could not fix it. Take a look at verse number 47 in our text. John chapter 4, verse 47. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. My son's going to die. You... Do you understand medical care 2,000 years ago, what that looked like? I mean, if you just want to rewind 200 years in American history, we thought that covering people in leeches and having leeches suck their blood out would heal them of disease. We thought by cutting a major vein or artery and allowing a person to bleed out would actually heal them in some way. That's how primitive medicine was 200 years ago. You talk about 2,000 years ago, if somebody got sick, they were just going to die. I mean, we can try to do some things that we know how to do, but short of any miracle taking place, this kid's going to die. And so his dad had come to a point where he didn't know what to do. He was nervous, I'm sure. He was scared. His son was going to die. And so desperate times called for desperate measures. He found one person that could help, and it was Jesus. Now, where the son was at in Capernaum, 
to Cana of Galilee where Jesus was. I did, the, did you a favor and did the Google Maps for you here. About 25-mile journey. At the, the top of the Sea of Galilee is Capernaum. If we went around the, the edge of that and went uh, east, I'm sorry, west, that would take you eventually to Cana of Galilee, about 25 to 30 miles, depending on exactly where Jesus was in that particular town. Now, imagine this. How do you get from point A to point B? Well, you can't jump in a car and drive. You're going to either walk or you're going to take a donkey. Either way, you're going to move at about three miles per hour, per se, if you keep a steady pace moving. You're talking eight to ten hours of traveling, either on foot or on an incredibly slow animal. And here's the thing. When this dad gets to Cana of Galilee, is Jesus even still going to be there? I mean, Jesus didn't have a Find My Friends app on his phone where you can see where he's at all the time. Like, oh, I think he's on the move. I think he's going to be over here. He's just going with hopes that he can find Jesus. Why? Because he's desperate. If he doesn't do this, his kid's going to die. How many of you as parents know the feeling of your kid being sick and knowing that there's nothing in the world that I can do to help them, but if there was something to do, I would do it without a split-second thought where the dad finds himself and so he's trekking across the the wilderness here on the back of probably a donkey or on foot for part of the journey he's by himself he's not listening to the radio he's not singing songs he's just every step along the way in his mind my kid is going to die unless I, I find jesus and then just let's let's just say that jesus is still at cana of galilee like people said that he was can he even get to jesus we find in Mark chapter 2 that Jesus was talking into a house and the crowd was so great that they had a guy who was sick that they needed to get to Jesus but they couldn't get him through the crowd. Like, like Jesus had a mob of people around him. In Mark chapter 2 they had to like peel back the roof and lower him down through the ceiling to get him close to Jesus. Like this guy's traveling a full day's journey just hoping that he can find Jesus and that Jesus will hear him, that Jesus will even hear him out. Will Jesus even still be there by the time I get there? But you know what? (laughs) My son's going to die if I don't. And so I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to where I need to be in hopes that Jesus can heal my son. So here we see a guy who's in a desperate situation. And when it comes down to it, he has to be willing to trust that Jesus has the answer. And here's the the hard part about faith. (laughs) Faith is hard. It's hard to put your trust in something that you can't see. It's hard to put your trust in something that you've never experienced before, but that's precisely what faith is. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is something that you can't see. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust that Jesus does. This guy, by, by mounting up and traveling a full day's journey to find Jesus, he's already said to himself, the only person in the world that can fix this is Jesus. When he finds Jesus, he says to Jesus, Jesus, you have to come and see my son, because if you don't, he will die. We already see faith on the part of this, this man But let me tell you this, every difficult life experience that you go through is given to you by God to drive you to a point of faith. Do you believe that Jesus is enough? Do you believe that Jesus can fix what's broken? It requires faith. You see, we easily trust what we've experienced. Hey, I've already been through that before. I know what it's like. I've experienced that. I've come through it. I can tell you how it's done. We easily trust what we've experienced. But if you've never experienced something before, you, you, you struggle to figure out exactly how it all works. In the video you saw, uh, me and Pete Madsen were standing outside of the uh, USS Nimitz uh, aircraft carrier. We went to doctor in uh, Honolulu. And uh, Pete took me on a, a tour of that. Pete uh, just made captain last year in the, in the Navy, world's finest Navy. Uh, and so he took me on a tour of the, of the USS Nimitz. And man, we're walking through there, and I'm like, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I did six years in the Navy, but it was six years of shore duty. So this is the second time in my life I've ever stepped on board a ship before. It was fascinating. Uh, and so we're on there. He's like, oh, here's this, here's that. And then he took me up to the, the, the wardroom where the officers uh, eat dinner and stuff like that. And they got this $6,000 espresso machine laid out there. And I was just like, man, what? 
the world. Everybody else is drinking dishwater coffee down there, and you guys got like this setup up here, right? And so I began to ask questions about this and that. What happens with this? What happens with that? And he took me out on the flight deck. We saw all the, the planes are sitting out there on the, the flight deck at the aircraft carrier. And they're packed in there like sardines. I was like, how do they move them from point A to point B? And all this other stuff. We began to talk about it. And, and Pete shared with me his experience because I had no experience with that stuff. I mean, this is a, a, a big hunk of floating steel that, that has people on it, the, the population of my hometown, right? It's literally a floating city. This fascinating to me. But I don't know anything about that life. I hear stories, but I can't fathom what it's like to be out in the middle of the ocean floating on a big, huge hunk of steel that scientifically I can't even fathom how that much steel can actually float. Nevertheless, being gone for six months at a time, I don't know anything about that life. I've never experienced that. So it's difficult for me to process that. Same thing in life when I tell you that God is faithful, that Jesus can heal this. If you've never experienced that before, you'd be like, I don't know about that. Let me tell you about my experience. No, I get that's your experience, but I don't know anything about that. It's difficult for us to trust anything other than what we can see. We easily trust what we've seen. Again, you see something, you've experienced something, you know it's real. People sometimes say things like, you know, well, if, if God would just show up and sit across the table and talk with me, you know, I would believe it to be so. You know, if I could hear God's voice audibly telling me to believe in him, I would, would believe it. Well, there's a couple of problems with that. First of all, if you could see God with your own eyeballs and talk with him, it wouldn't be faith. Because then you're experiencing something, you're seeing something, it's not faith. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God. But secondly, I sometimes like to, to have a little bit of fun. I say, so if God became like a man and came down and sat with you and answered questions and talked to you about heaven and answered all your Bible questions that you had, would you believe then? People are like, oh, absolutely, I would totally believe. No, you wouldn't. Well, how do you know? Because he already did that. God became a man in the form of Jesus Christ, sat down with people, answered every question that they could possibly have, healed people, taught about heaven, answered questions about heaven, and you know what they did with him? They didn't believe him. They did what with him? They killed him. So you overestimate your ability to believe what you see. And so again, even if that happened, I don't know that you'd necessarily believe it. And so we, we put a lot of faith in the things we've experienced, a lot of faith in the things that we've seen, but it's not faith. It's what we've actually seen and experienced. We also give considerable trust to what we've heard from trustworthy sources. I'm willing to put a little bit of stock in what someone says that has shown themselves trustworthy. How many of you uh, heard about Who We Call a Baptist Church for the first time by finding us on the internet? Raise your hand. And you came. So found them on the internet. I think I'll check it out. So you might have found some what, what you might have considered to be trustworthy, maybe Google reviews or people find churches on Yelp. Can you believe that? I don't understand it. When I'm looking for good Chinese food, I look on Yelp. When I'm looking for a church, I probably wouldn't look on Yelp, but people do. And I'm thankful for it. But you might have considered that a trustworthy source. How many of you came to Who We Call It because you were invited by a friend? Raise your hand. Okay. Now that's a little bit different, right? Hey, somebody I know has gone there and they told me that I should come. Sometimes we have people come, they say, hey, I had a friend who told me to come to this church. I said, oh, who's your friend? Oh, they've never been here. They were just looking for a good church for me, and they found you on the internet and sent you here. It's just like, okay, I hope it works out. Uh, but, but you that came at the invitation of a friend, you said, okay, this person, I mean, they kind of seem like they know what they're talking about. I'm willing to give it a shot because the source was somewhat trustworthy, and you could trust it a little bit. Faith is trusting in things that you have not seen, that you have not experienced, and that you have limited sources for, but you believe it to be so. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense at all. That's why it's faith. Faith doesn't have all the answers. I can't figure all this out for you. I can't tell you how all of this pans out. I don't know how Jesus fixes everything. All I know is that he does. I can't explain the nuts and bolts of how Christ's sacrifice on the cross for my sin and yours uh, pays for the penalty of our sin and allows us to go to heaven. I don't understand it, but I believe it to be so because the Bible says so. 
That's faith. And again, it's not a blind faith. It's faith in the Word of God. I believe the Bible is true from cover to cover. Everything that the Bible says, I believe to be spiritually and factually accurate. Because it's the Word of God. It's not my thoughts. It's not your thoughts. It's literally the Word of God. So faith is a little bit difficult because we struggle to trust in what we've not experienced and what we have not seen. It's a struggle for us sometimes. And here's the great part about all of this, is that Jesus knows what your struggles are. If you take a look at in our, our text this morning in John chapter 4, verse 47, he went unto him, besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And here's what Jesus says in verse 48. Except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Jesus is already prepared for people who want to see some miracle. Hey, Jesus, do something for me. Jesus had a, a group of people that followed him because they wanted stuff from him. They didn't want him. They didn't want preaching. They didn't want teaching. They wanted him to heal their sick kid, or he wanted, they wanted him to heal them from blindness or things along those lines. He, there wasn't a lot of people that just loved Jesus for Jesus. And so when this guy comes and says, hey, you, you got to heal my son. If you don't, he's going to die. Jesus says, hey, you just came looking for a miracle, and you're not going to believe in me unless you see some miracle. That's why as we read through the Gospels and part of the book of Acts, we see these uh, miracles that took place of blind being healed, uh, deaf people hearing, uh, people with leprosy being healed from leprosy. All those took place to validate that Jesus Christ truly was from God. The message that he had was from God. The message of the Gospel of repent of your sins and be saved was always validated by these signs, miracles, and wonders that showed that this was a real deal act of God, and this person was speaking on behalf of God. It was always validation. But sometimes people didn't want the message that went with it. They just wanted the miracles. And, and let me just pause for just a second and say, be very, very careful when you come to Jesus and you don't want his message. You just want his miracles. It's a, it's a scary place to be. I, I don't want Jesus, but I want him to, to fix all my stuff. I don't want Jesus, but I want all the, the things that he could possibly give me. It doesn't work that way. It's a kind of a package deal. And so Jesus tells this guy, hey, unless you see miracles and signs and wonders, you, you're not going to believe anyways. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7 says that we as Christians walk by faith and not by sight. Christians don't, shouldn't live based on what we can see, what we've experienced. We live based on faith in the word of God. Whatever the Bible says, I'm going to obey that. Well, it doesn't make a lot of sense. That's okay. I'm going to obey it anyways. Yeah, but things are different in this day and age. I know that's fine. I'm going to obey it anyways. Yeah, I know, but, uh, you know, that book was written so long ago. That's fine. I'm going to obey it anyways. Well, this would be inconvenient for me. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to obey anyways. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. I'm, I don't make my decisions based on what I think. <laughs> I was talking to a man uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he goes, I'm just tired of, of living this kind of life. I just want to change the pace. I think I'm going to move to Montana. You know, that's what, what I really want to do. And I said, be careful making life-changing decisions based on how you feel today. Because you're going to feel differently tomorrow. You're going to feel differently two weeks from now. You're going to feel a lot differently six months from now. And secondly, have you ever looked at winter in Montana? Like, who on earth would want to do that on purpose? It's terrible. Winter's great for like a couple of days, but I'm not shoveling snow out of my driveway. I, I do not miss the days of going out and starting the car and letting it sit for 20 minutes in the driveway before you get in. No, I'm not, not, I'm not doing that no more. So. But again, we, many times we live our life based on how we feel. You can't live that way because your feelings change and you can't trust them. If you have a good week or a bad week, your obedience should be the same, not based on how good of a week or how bad of a week I'm having. So there comes a time in life where we have to walk by faith. There comes a point in life where we got to say, hey, I'm willing to trust something bigger than me at this point because I don't have all the answers. So many times people say, well, I don't, I don't get into the whole faith thing. I'm kind of a cash and carry guy. I just go with what I see. Okay. You still have faith in something. You have faith in yourself. You're trusting yourself. Well, I'm not really trusting myself. No, you are because you've determined what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil. 
I talked to a guy several years ago, and he says, you know, uh, I, I kind of have my own religion. I said, well, tell me about that. And he said, I like the principles of Buddhism. I like the idea of the energy you put out to the universe comes back to you. I like the idea of, you know, in this life, you know, you might have a, a, a bad hand, but you can die and be rebirthed into something else. And, you know, you could, could be different in the next life. And I like the idea of that, but I also like the teachings of Jesus to love your neighbor and be kind to them. And you should treat other people better than you treat yourself. I like all that. So I kind of put together like my own thing that I got going on. I said, oh, so like you're the head of your own religion. Well, no, it's just my own personal belief system. Right. It's yours. And so you're the head of your own religion. And he sat there for a minute. And he was like, well, I guess so. And I said, well, who's the God of your religion? He was like, well, I don't believe in God. Okay. Well, who determines what's right, what's wrong, and the penalties that are assessed for what's right or what's wrong? He's like, well, I do. <laughs> so you have set yourself in the seat of God, determining good versus evil, right from wrong, consequences that go get. He's like, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, because you've got to have faith in something. You either have faith in God or you have faith in yourself or you have faith in somebody else. Hey, again, for me, for the longest time, when it came to life problems, I had a lot of faith in my dad that my dad could fix it, man. I'm going to call my dad and see what dad says to do, and I'm just going to do that because my dad knows everything. And then you come to a point where you realize, dad doesn't know everything. I've got to find something bigger than dad to answer these questions that I have in life. So we have to put our faith somewhere. There comes a point in your life where you have to live by faith. You're required to. Everybody has faith in something. Everybody does. You might be sitting here today, I'm not a person of faith. You are. I promise you are. Look, you have faith that the chair that you're sitting in will hold you for the remainder of the service. Otherwise, you wouldn't have sat in it. You wouldn't sit in a chair thinking to yourself, I think this chair is going to break halfway through the service. So you have faith in a folding chair made of plastic. Could you have faith in something a little bit bigger maybe? Could you maybe say like, hey, I don't have all the answers for everything that ails me in life. You say, well, yeah, I've sat in these chairs before. I've experienced this before. What if I told you that there's somebody outside that's, that's parked on the curb today that has a yellow parking ticket under your windshield wiper? There's not, but imagine if I did. So you're like, oh, where do we park? Put money in the, first of all, you don't have to put money in the meter on the weekends, and they don't write tickets on the weekends, so everybody's clear. But here's the thing for a second. You got a little bit nervous for a second, maybe, if you parked out there. Why? Because you realize there's something out there that maybe you don't know. Maybe something exists outside of your sphere of knowledge that you're going to be held responsible for one day. I think all of us, if we're honest, would say, well, we don't have the answers to everything in life. There's some things out there that I don't fully understand or can fully grasp. And so, outside of that, there has to be something else, something bigger. We call that faith, faith in God. Where's your faith? Where do you run to when things get difficult? Who has the answers for you? What are you trusting in? Everybody has to trust in something. When things go sideways, when things get broken, where do you run? Many times people run to other people. They're going to fail you, I promise. Sometimes people run to religion and religious systems. And if I, if I pray enough, it'll fix all my problems. Or if I give enough money to the church, it'll fix all my problems. Or maybe I should get baptized again, and it'll fix my problems. Maybe I should go and confess all my sin to a priest, and maybe that'll heal all my problems, only to realize that religion never saved anybody. He said, how can a pastor of a church say religion never saved anybody? Because the only person that can save you is Jesus. Religion can't save you. A church can't save you. I couldn't forgive your sin if I wanted to. And anybody who tells you that they can forgive your sin just hasn't read the Bible. Because the only person that can forgive your sin is Jesus. So what do you have in your life that's broken that you can't fix? All of us have it. All of us have things that are out of our control. Who has the answer for these things? You take a look at things like the weather. Can you fix that? No, you can't. Deal with it. It's been humid and muggy. My goodness. <laughs> here I am complaining about our terrible fall weather here, right? <laughs> humid, muggy, sweat a lot. For the first time last week, I think our AC vents on the outside started sweating from condensation and people were getting dripped on during service. It's fine. It's holy water. Uh, <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> 
It was a joke. I'm just wondering if it was a joke. But like the weather, we can't change the weather. Our health. We don't have a promise of tomorrow. I, I mean, what are we going to do? I can't change anything. My, my, uh, my doctor's here today. Uh, he's got me on different type of blood pressure medication. Me and him are trying to figure out, like, how do you get my blood pressure down to normal? We're taking different types of medicine. Take this one in the evening, take this one in the morning, stuff like that. Trying to figure life out, right? Why? Because we have no control over it. It's not like you can just say, stop getting your blood pressure so high, man. It's like, oh, okay, I didn't think about that. Thanks, you know? <laughs> I have no control over it. And look, we can throw as much medication as we want to at it, but it might not fix it. Why? Because we're not in charge. There comes a point where you realize in life, and if you haven't yet, I'm getting ready to enlighten you. Consider yourself enlightened after today. There's going to come a point in life where you realize there's very little things in life that you have complete control over. And at the end of the day, there is nothing in the world that you can do to fix what is massively broken in your life. No power over it. And the things that you thought you had control over in life, there's going to come a point where you realize, I don't really have any control over this at all anyhow. And so whatever you have that's broken in your life, do you believe that Jesus can heal it? You have a guy here who traveled eight to ten hours on the back of a donkey or on foot to find Jesus because he believed that there was only one person in the world that could fix what was broken in him, and it was Jesus. And he was willing to go as far as he could to a city that he didn't, probably didn't know anybody, didn't even know if Jesus was still there because he believed with every fiber of his being that Jesus could fix it. Whatever is broken in you, do you believe that Jesus can heal it? If so, that's step one, faith. But you see, the primary ailment that you and I have, it's not our health, it's not our marriage, it's not our finances, it's not geopolitical arguments that are taking place around the world and things along those. Our number one ailment, our primary ailment for you and I is our sin. That's what's destroyed our lives. And know this, all of your money problems go back to sin. All of your interpersonal conflict goes back to sin. All your workplace drama goes back to sin. All of your sin goes back to your, obviously, sin. Right? That's your, that's your number one problem. Now you might say, well, on the top 10 list of problems that I have, sin is not one of them. I promise you it is. You just don't know it. Because the Bible says God's given us rules and guidelines to follow, and you and I have broken all of them. And then if we're given the choice to follow God or go our own way, we choose to go our own way more times than not. Because we just want what we want. And we don't like being told what to do. And so, we've broken God's law. We stand guilty before God because we've broken His law. And now there's consequences that have to be paid. And so the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, I'm seated today here in a room full of sinners. All of us have sinned against God, every single one of us. There's none righteous, no, not one. We're in a world full of sinners. If you're a first-time guest at who we call about Baptist Church, thanks for coming today. You're in a room full of sinners. <laughs> so make yourself at home. Uh, Nobody's got it together. Nobody's perfect here. All of us have brokenness in our life. All of us have sin in our life that we need to deal with. And for all of the sin problems that we have, our sin problems have a consequence. When you die, if you hear nothing else out of today of what I say, we hear this. When you die because of your sin, and you will receive God's punishment. God's punishment is death in hell for all of eternity, no second chances, no getting out. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. And when I die in my sin and I stand before God, he's going to tell me that I deserve to go to hell. He's going to do the same thing to you. Unless someone heroically intervenes on our behalf to keep us from hell. And I'm thankful today to tell you someone did, and his name is Jesus. Jesus came, and I was supposed to die for my sin and be punished, but Jesus was punished in my place. I was supposed to endure God's wrath. Jesus took God's wrath for me. I was supposed to die, and Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. That's why for us as Christians, the cross is like the ultimate symbol of freedom for us, because that's where I was supposed to die, but Jesus died in my place. 
But here's the catch. And again, keep listening because this is the most important thing you'll ever hear in your entire life. The only way that you can have your sin forgiven is to be saved or what the Bible calls being born again. What that means is a single point in time in your life where you put your full faith and trust in Jesus alone to save you from your sin. One time, just like you're born into this earth, Jesus says in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And if you've never been born again, John chapter 3, verse number 3, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. You can't go to heaven without being saved. You will go to hell 100% of the time if you're not saved. So here's the good news, Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for my sin and he died for yours. So get this. If you're willing today to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven and I'm asking him to save me and forgive me of my sins. If you do that today, you can be saved in a split second, just like that. Well, what about the church? What does the church have to do? The church, this church and any other church on planet earth have nothing whatsoever to do with whether or not you go to heaven or whether you go to hell. None whatsoever. It's Jesus alone. John chapter 14, verse number six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Not by the church, not by baptism, not by some act or catechism or thing like that. You come to to. God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son alone. And maybe you're here today and say, well, I think I've done that, but I need to get baptized by my church. I think I've done that, but I need to make sure I keep my church attendance up. I I think I've done that, but I need to make sure that I I cross all my, my T's and dot all my I's to make sure I go to heaven. Then your faith is not in Jesus alone. Your faith is in Jesus plus your church or Jesus plus your works or Jesus plus my baptism or Jesus plus I'm trying really hard to be a good guy and hopefully I'll make it to heaven one day. That never works. This guy didn't come to Jesus and say to Jesus, hey, my son is sick. I think he's going to die. And Jesus says, go home. Your son is healed. And he goes, okay, I'm going to stop and pick up some NyQuil on the way home too. No, no, no. Jesus said he was healed. Well, I know, but I'm going to take him down to this, uh, this uh, place where they dunk kids in the bath and, and uh, they get better. No, no, no. Jesus said he was healed. Jesus is willing to forgive your sin today. Are you willing to receive it? Not Jesus plus church or Jesus plus good behavior, Jesus plus church attendance, Jesus plus baptism. Jesus alone is all that can save you. This man didn't come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I know you plus five other things can save my kid. He came to Jesus and says, unless you heal my son, he will die. So Jesus is the answer, always. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6 is a beautiful verse that says, For when we we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth, that word commendeth means demonstrates his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul, as he writes in Romans here, he says, hey, for a decent guy, there are probably a few people that would be willing to give their life. For a really, really good guy, there's probably some folks who would be willing to die for that guy. But Jesus didn't die for the good guys and the, and the pretty good guys. Jesus died for sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so it's just like, wow, Jesus died when I was still his enemy for me. And so as we look at this passage, we see that faith will bring healing for your sin and everything else that ails you as well. Take a look at verse number 48. Jesus said unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And he's like, no, I don't need signs and wonders. No man saith unto him, sir, come down ere my child die. If you don't come to my house, he's going to die, period. And Jesus saith unto him, go that way, thy son liveth. And the man, get this, believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. Jesus says, okay, your son is healed. And you know what dad does? He packs up all his bag, loads up his donkey, and like, heads out of town. I'm out. He didn't ask questions like, okay, exactly what do you mean when you say healed? 
How's that going to come about? What's kind of the, uh, I mean, when you get discharged from a hospital, they give you like the aftercare protocol that you're supposed to get. Like, what do I need to do for that? No, no. He said, your son's healed. He's like, all right, I'm out. Boom, gone. You know what that is? That's faith. He didn't sit there scratching his head going like, I don't really know about this. Maybe I should try something. No, no, no. He was gone because he knew for a fact that Jesus had the answer to what ailed him. Are you willing to trust Jesus for what's broken in your life? Are you willing to walk by faith? Or are you still trying to figure things out on your own? Because faith in Jesus Christ will bring peace to the depths of your soul. Man, riding that plane to Lanai. Man, I was sitting back there. It was intense, I'm not going to lie. But you know what I kept thinking in my brain? I understand physics and how physics work. I understand the dynamics that, you know, there, there's wings and there's lift underneath that that keeps it. And so while we're up and down like this and stuff like that, it's just, I understand the science enough to think we're not going to crash, okay? And then I remember hearing stories about how those little planes get flipped over upside down. And then I started like, oh, no. What if we get flipped over upside down? Because it's like rocking side to side now like this. I think, man, we're going to flip over, and then what happens? Then we plummet to our death, right? And you know what I did when I thought of that? I just started laughing. <laughs> what am I going to do, right? This plane flips over and I die. What am I going to do? What did I do in this situation? Should I go up and ask the pilots in the cockpit, hey, guys, you need a hand with anything? I'm a pastor here. I'll be willing to help out. What am I going to do? My wife asked me, I was like, Oh, I bet you were praying back there. I wasn't even praying. You know why? Because I prayed before I took off. Like, what, God's going to change his mind mid-flight? He goes, ha, ah, I was just kidding, but he prayed, so I guess I'll let you live, you know? <laughs> hey, look, I'd already done everything that there was to do. It's out of my control at this point. I just sit back and enjoy the ride, and this is how I go. Man, what a bummer of a way to go, because I was supposed to have a direct flight back to Honolulu. <laughs> my wife's fault, right? <laughs> she can live with that. But no, like, seriously, no lie, get this. I have lived my life in such a way over the last 20 years. I'm prepared for when my time is up, 100%. If it's this afternoon, I'm ready. I'm ready. I have no open connections, if you will. No people I need to make things right with. No apologies I need to give. No relationships that I need to mend. No debts that I have not paid. No people that I'm angry with that I should probably make up. None of that. Hey, I know where I stand with my family. My family knows where they stand with me. I love my children with every fiber of my being. I love my, my wife and kids more than I love myself. The greatest blessing that God's ever given me outside of my salvation is my family, and they know it. I got nothing left to say. I got nothing left to do. Like, man, when it's time, it's time. And... Faith in Jesus will bring that peace to the depths of your soul. Like, I don't worry about what happens after this. Look, my day's coming. I know it is, and I'm ready for it. If it's this afternoon, it'll be a bummer because i got a great message to preach tonight. Uh, but I'm ready. That's what faith in Jesus will do to you. They'll give you peace that you don't fully understand. Uh, the Bible tells in the book of Philippians, you have a peace that passes all understanding in the depths of your soul. And here's the thing, when you got broken stuff in your life and you don't know how to fix it, there's nothing but chaos in your soul. I gotta find a way to fix this, and if I can't fix it, I gotta find a way to check out from this. And I check out through alcohol or drugs or other relationships or pornography or materialism or money or status, and all these things don't bring peace to my soul, they bring more chaos. And I need something that will just bring me calm what is that? It's Jesus and Jesus alone. That when Jesus says your son's healed, the dude packed up his stuff and he went home. And one of his servants met him on the way back. He says, hey, your son's better. What time did it happen? About the seventh hour. I knew it. I knew it. Faith. Peace. Here's the great thing about your peace. Your faith will bless and bring healing to other people as well. Take a look at verse number 53 in this passage. 
So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, thy son liveth. I knew it. Man, I knew it. Same hour Jesus said that, at the same hour my son was healed. And he himself believed. Get this last part. And his whole house. This guy's whole family ended up putting their faith in Jesus. Why? Because this man's faith. Your faith and the peace that God gives you in the depths of your soul, God's given you not to just for yourself, that's good, but he's given it to you to bless other people. Who are other people that could use encouragement, that could use blessing? Hey, look, if you're here today because somebody invited you today, please understand, Hui College is not like a multi-level marketing scheme where if you invite 10 of your friends, you get a button that you get to wear on your shirt next Sunday or we're trying to level up, get to the next level. It's not like that. If somebody invited you to church today, it's because they want you to experience what they've experienced. I want you to find peace. I want you to find belonging. I want you to find family. I want you to find love. I want you to find Jesus. And that's why you're here today because somebody said, the peace that I found, the faith that I've experienced, I want to bless you with that. I want you to feel that. I want you to experience what I've experienced. And this guy came home, and his house, his family, they'd never met Jesus before. They didn't travel with this guy on the journey. He just came back and says, Jesus said it, and that's how your brother, your cousin, your uncle, that's how he got healed because Jesus said the word, and everybody's just like, man, Jesus is where it's at. And everybody believed on Jesus then. Man, I'm thankful for what God's done in this church over the last nine years. It's been a wild ride. I'm thankful for every single person who's come to faith and how they brought other people with them along their journey of faith. The slideshow that we saw, the very first baptism video that we had, the very first baptism photo at Huicala, uh, I baptized five people, and uh, Tommy Peralta was one of them. Tommy's one of the first people I ever led to Christ here at Huicala. Uh, he came, and uh, him and Iris had came to a Friday night Bible study that we had, and me and Tommy sat in the middle of that room back there and we went through the gospel. I asked him, if you died today, are you sure you go to heaven? He goes, no. I went through the gospel with him and shared about what Jesus Christ had done for him. We got to the end here. He was like, I've never heard that before. Man, said, Tommy, would you like to put your faith and trust in Jesus tonight? And I was like, absolutely. He said, I got one question. I go, what? He goes, do people ever say no to that? And I go, yeah. And he goes, what? Like, this is the best deal ever. It's like, I think so too. Uh, but he's just like, whoa. And so Tommy got saved that night. And our very first baptism we ever had, Tommy got baptized. Him and Iris were the first couple that I ever married in, the, in my, my life, in the history of our church. And man, here they are on a Sunday morning, Nine years later, still worshiping Jesus. And guess what? They brought people with them today. And one of the people to see what we've experienced. And man, they brought people over the last nine years. One of the couples that they brought last year, he said, hey, this guy was in my wedding. And I remember the guy in his wedding came here. What is it? Hey, I just want you to experience what I've experienced. I want you to see what I've seen. Your faith, the peace that God's given you will bless other people where you can now encourage other people through your faith. Hey, I realize there's some things out of your control. I realize there's some things you don't have any control over. I realize that life gets scary sometimes. I realize that faith is hard, but let me ask you this question. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? If it's in Jesus, you won't be disappointed. I promise you that. Look, if you're trusting in me or this church, I'm just going to tell you right now, straight up, we're going to disappoint you. Guaranteed. I'm not perfect. This church is not perfect. The only thing good that's happened in my life is what Jesus Christ has done in me or through me. But I believe that Jesus has the answer for everything that ails this world and you individually. Are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to believe in him? Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian. I don't know for sure if I died today, heaven's my home. Are you willing to put your full faith and trust in Jesus to save you from your sin today? If you would, you could be born again today and all that will bring a new peace that you've never experienced before. You're no longer trying to climb a ladder thinking that you maybe one day be hopefully good enough. Maybe one day I'll make it to heaven. One, maybe one day I've done enough stuff that maybe I'll break through at the end. No, no, no. You can know 100% certain that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home if you put your faith in Jesus today. And people say, man, there's no way anybody could know 100% sure 
1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have everlasting life. You can know 100% sure today if you put your faith in Jesus. Let me talk to Christians for a minute. You've already been saved. You've already been born again, but there's sometimes things come at you in life that feel out of control, feel like there's, it's a contained chaos that you have. Know this. Jesus is the answer for that. Put him first. Obey him in every area, and everything else works itself out. You say, Pastor, it can't be that simple. I promise you it is because here's what Jesus said. And again, Jesus, anything he says, you can guarantee, take it to the bank. It's a promise that he will hold good to. Here's what Jesus says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You don't have to worry about anything. Just put God first, and everything else will fall into place from there. So Christian, maybe you've taken things out of God's hand. You've taken them on your own. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get this squared away. Please understand, it's only a matter of time before you realize you're not really in control of anything. Give it back to the one who's in control of everything, and trust him completely. One of the great promises from God's word is Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six, faith. We've been talking about faith. Believe in God and his word. But without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six says. Not improbable or unlikely. It's impossible to please God without faith. You have to fully believe and fully commit. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he's what? That he is who he says that he is. That he's God. That he's in charge of everything, that he's the boss, that he's the master, that he is our Lord, that his promises are true. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and here's the promise to you and I. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Man, live by faith. God's going to give you his reward. Oh, what's that reward? New car, maybe a new house, maybe a better job, maybe more money. No, no, no. Those are idols that the world has to offer. What God wants to give you is greater than all of those things. He wants to give you love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Trust me, if I got a choice of having $100 or experiencing true, unconditional love, that's a no-brainer. Hey, give me a new car that's not going to be new six months from now. Or give me joy? No brainer. I'll take joy any day of the week because that's what your soul craves. You want another job with more deadlines and more responsibilities in a different toxic work environment? Or do you want peace in the depths of your soul? You know what your soul craves. And it's not the things of this world. Those are a counterfeit. Choose Jesus today. Whatever's broken, he can fix it. I promise you that. But you and I just have to trust him for it. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m.